What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Anthro Alert podcast, which is the recording of our live show, Anthro Alert. You can now listen at your leisure and at your convenience. If you're new here on Anthro Alert, this is where Renee and I, your hosts, and sometimes a guest, analyze, break down, and discuss different topics each week anthropologically. Enjoy. Hey, what's up? Everybody, you're listening to Bulls Radio, WUSF 89.7, HD3, Tampa, 1620 AM on campus and streaming worldwide at TuneIn.com and on the TuneIn app, available wherever apps are available. Yes. Uh, Learn more about everything Bulls Radio at BullsRadio.org. This is is Anthro Alert, so this is the show about anthropology and why it matters. So on this hour of anthrop- Anthro Alert, we're going to discuss everything anthropological about um, some specific things. Yes. Uh, we gave the whole spiel in the first hour, so that will cover us for this hour. And so you just heard the voice of our very special guest for this hour, our, our co-host here on Anthro Alert, Renee. Hi. Happy to be here, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so last week... Renee, um, he interviewed me about my research, and I talked a lot and took up the whole time. So this week, um, we are going to switch. The tides have turned, and now he's he's in the hot seat to to answer all of my various questions about his research. Yeah, the seat is we got some um, space heaters in here to keep everybody at uh, the appropriate temperature. So this is good. Yes. All right, so let's just get straight into it. What um, you know? What is your research topic, and you know, what are your research questions? All right, so like in a broad sense, like a general sense, I'm interested in asking questions about what motivates people to exercise, like what are the challenges or barriers that they encounter, and how do they persevere through them, or how do they get tripped up by those obstacles. Um, yeah, so that's like the the general idea, the, the 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 stuff that I'm looking at, and the reason that I think that stuff is interesting is because uh, I don't know. I just I think personally I have an interest in exercise and physical activity, mm-hmm. and that was the area of study that I had in my undergraduate um, education over at Arizona State University, Go Devils, um, and then also kind of approaching things from like where I was professionally for a couple of years in public health nutrition. And so then thinking about health behavior change and, and stuff like that, um, and really trying to, f- to find a way to apply anthropology to address some of those inadequacies in uh, public health policy, public health programming, and just um, public health perspectives on physical activity and, and movement and human movement in the, uh, um, specifically the United States. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how gener- generalizable it, it, it really is. Mm-hmm. And so how, you know, in, a, in our master's program, how did you go from these general interests and, and concepts and things that you had been exposed to previously as an undergrad or as a professional to, you know, narrowing that down to a specific population and, into a project that you can then 
you know, that's tangible and small enough and condensed enough to be a master's thesis. Yeah, and that's like, yeah, for me, that's just a really big challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's something that has taken me a, a very long time to do. Yeah. Um, because initially I'm like, um, I, I don't even understand. Like, okay, so oftentimes people will come on the show and we'll ask them, you know, what was your interest in anthropology and anthropology here? And then sometimes they'll say, well, in my personal statement essay letter I wrote, I said such and such thing. Um, and in my case, like, I don't even remember mm-hmm. because it was kind of a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and But it was kind of the general idea of, like, how can I apply or, or how can I learn stuff in anthropology that I can then apply to stuff in public health? Um, oh, I think I deviated too much from the question. So, so oh, okay. So how did I narrow everything down? Um, yeah, like what has been the process of basically like, um, you know, when we're taking courses, we're just kind of thinking about things, what we might want to do to, you know, now where things are actually starting to become, you know, you're about to start your project in this thing. So what was the process of going from that to, you know, a, a tangible proposal of this is what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's very good. Um, and like I said, it was very challenging for me because a lot of the things that we were discussing in classes or the projects or the assignments or the concepts, they, they are, even though this is an applied program, they all tend to be very, very abstract. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and so it, it just took me such a long time to even – think, okay, well, how do I make research about um, health behavior change, mm-hmm. which is really the idea of what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. How do I make research about health behavior change anthropological? Right. Um, and it started with, I mean, I, I kind of tried d- different things. And um, one of the earlier things I was looking at was saying, well, what about exercise as a human, a universal human right? So then I kind of I, I uh, dilly dallied into um, <laughs> I dilly dallied into what human rights are and how do they become a universal reality. Right. Uh, and and um, I struggled with that a little bit, and I even presented at a conference trying to trying to push that. I presented at two conferences actually, trying to push that idea a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was met with quite a bit of uh, resistance. Mm. Um, I think par- partly because of just how I presented it. I just it w- I don't think it was a very effective way that I was trying to present that idea. Right. Um, just critiquing myself. Um, and yeah, so I was I was basically trying to establish some sort of theoretical idea of of exercise as a human right and how we as a global local society need to kind of um, make physical activity exercise just more accessible for people because there is a lot of here at least here in the United States a lot of privilege associated well well for sure for sure there's a lot of privilege associated with leisure time physical activity oh yeah definitely so, so like sure. um yeah like I could be you know a farm laborer for example and I'll put in my 10 12 16 hours of work right uh, that that doesn't that doesn't mean that I need to like go and like run and jog around my neighborhood or go to the gym afterwards, like that's like ridiculous, right? Um, so sp- so specifically looking at things like that, and I 
And I actually think that anthropology is kind of a good way to ask those questions because it's supposed to, like everything anthropological is supposed to come from the idea of just holistic understanding everything with historical, cultural, sociological context that um, I think sometimes people like people miss. And and there's some discussions of this, at least in my undergraduate, and some discussions of this in like the public health nutrition stuff I was doing before. Uh, but I think there's really a long way for that to go. Oh, I'm s- s- totally deviating. From, I'll, I'll get to it, though. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll we're, get, get we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> um, and that was, again, so just trying to narrow things down. So I was thinking of exercise as a human right. Um, that's, it was really challenging for me to kind of make that happen. So then I thought, oh, okay, well, what about like a – and this will probably be, be squeezed into my thesis somewhere um, regarding how – human movement is really a part of or an, or an integral part a very necessary part of um, health and mm. and intergenerational health as it relates to genetic and epigenetic factors and so so genetic stuff is the stuff that's like hard coded into like the genetic code like the genes and the dna and the epi, epigenome these are you know just to really break it down very simply are things that happen like uh, outside of that. Yeah. So how genes are expressed, for example, because, uh, for example, you you know this is very very well known among the uh, the genetic um, geneticists, I guess is what they're called, that uh, you can have two twins, same exact genetic information, uh, but the way that the genes are expressed can be different depending on various environmental or other factors. So. Um, and that stuff's very interesting, and it is all above my head. I, yeah, it's, it's very complex. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I took a couple of classes, and I'm still I, I don't get it. Yeah, uh, I've taken some genetics classes, just very like briefly gone into some genetic stuff, and it it gets complex very quickly. Um, yeah. So again, and then trying to really again narrow everything down, and this is the part that is helpful to have um, a very supportive support system so my my major professor my 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 advisor um and then who is that uh dr elizabeth miller and so she's a she's a biological anthropologist um uh very 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 fascinating um does research in regards to infants and babies and um and human milk and uh just fascinating stuff and that's that was so, so that was interesting for me to be able to get to um, work with her as like kind of supervising my development as an anthropologist, um, and then various professors of the classes that I take because I I keep trying to like ask and apply these questions and um, I don't know it's just really hard to try and get there but eventually, you know, just with that general idea narrowing down with a what do I have access to and so um, early on I kind of anticipated or expected that I could potentially do research here in like a student university population. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, what better place to do that than at um, the campus recreation yeah. department? So that's right. like, that's like where we have like the gym and the sport clubs and the intramurals mm. and like all the outdoor recreation, like to go kayaking and stuff. Right. Yeah. We're on all these like fun adventure beach trips. So that stuff sounds so fun. I always forget that 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 you know those resources are there. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I signed up for a camping one. Oh, really? Coming up in like uh, the end of April. 
Nice. So that's like so my goal is like to get everything like done by then, so I'll be like relaxing, right? yeah, rather than right. stressing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because um, you can't work on a thesis when you're camping. That would be very difficult because you get sand everywhere. That's it's beach true. beach camping. Oh, beach camping. Yeah, I, I do not want sand in my um, laptop. No, you'd have to go to notebooks and candlelight, <laughs> <laughs> like how they used to write theses in the old days. Oh man, that would be that would be um, uh, analog. That would be so fun, <laughs> but like analog life, right? Yeah. I don't need a laptop. I don't need anything digital. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so eventually just trying to really and, – and that was just my major professor saying, okay, it's still too broad. Like what about this? Like you can't ask – like if you're trying to do questions about barriers and motivations to exercise, um, like how are you going to ask people who don't exercise? Like that's a hard – it's hard to find those people, whereas, right, you, yeah. whereas you can totally find people who exercise. Because they they go somewhere to do it. Right, they're everywhere. Yeah, and people who don't are everywhere too. Right, you but, just don't know. About but it's it. just harder to get them to sign on to research. I mean, right? I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, but that's that kind of answers it a little bit, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. And I think we're going to pause for some music, and then we'll come back and we'll keep talking to Renee about his research. Yeah, keep it locked. What's up? Hey, Bulls, you're listening to Bulls Radio WUSF 89.7 HD3, Tampa, 1620 AM on campus. Streaming worldwide on TuneIn.com and on the TuneIn app. This is uh, Anthro Alert, and uh, this, is the, this is the anthropological radio show that's live every week from uh, 2 to 4 Eastern Daylight Time. Yep. Um, and as a podcast on AnthroAlert.com. Yes. Where you can find um, media and such. Yes, previous episodes. All, so, all manner of anthropological things that we discuss anyway. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of goodies in there, so go it's go mostly, check it out. It's mostly archaeological, so get your Indiana Jones fix in. Yes. Yeah, we have had archaeologists love Anthro Alert. They do, and we love them. We do. I I learned so much about archaeology doing Anthro Alert. Oh yeah, I. Everything I know about anything is from like because of this show. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. uh, otherwise, I would have just failed at everything. All right, so we are here speaking with Renee about his research, talking about fitness and behavior change, and public health nutrition, public health policy, and how anthropology fits in to all of those things and brings it together. Uh, so Renee's been telling us about how he's gone about narrowing down the focus of his thesis project, which um, for many of us can be a very difficult process. Um, you know, many of us come up with dissertation ideas and not thesis ideas. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the process of continually narrowing down those interests can can be challenging. So we're going to uh, keep talking to Renee about, you know, the process he's going through right now and, you know, the things he's thinking about and, you know, what he's currently working on. So you, before we went to break, you mentioned um, looking at university populations specifically and then non-exercisers versus exercisers and just the, the ease of focusing on the exerciser population because you know where to go to find those people, right? They're either outside or in, you know, um, maybe sports recreation, like a soccer field or something, or a gym. Like, there's 
target areas that you can you can find those people. And so, you know, what is your specific target population? You know, how are you going to go about collecting data? You know, what are you looking for specifically in that data? And and what kind of questions have you developed? What kind of questions are you asking? Okay, so when I'm trying to like define my the people that I'm asking questions about, so like my sample. So when I'm trying to define that, I have to think of um, like who I want to ask and like why do I want to ask them. So one of the things that came up was okay. So I have if I have questions about people who exercise, um, what does it mean? Like how do I define exercise? Oh, that's a good point. I like, never thought about that. Like mm-hmm. is it only people who like play basketball like like five times a week, mm-hmm. or is it only people who do like um, Zumba class? Mm-hmm. Or like, or only people who run, or only like, like th- there are specific ways to define that, and so I had to be clear about that in my, um, um, for my research proposal, and, yeah. and so the, what I ended up uh, getting to was basically an, any anybody who exercises is a person who like does some sort of um, activity with fitness at campus recreation. Okay, and so fitness includes like weightlifting. Um, on the weightlifting uh, on the strength floor, so where all like the weights are at, or maybe running like on the cardio t- machines, like the treadmills, for example, or taking any of the classes. So, and is that, exercise also defined? Do you define it by a certain amount of time? Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, I'll get to that. Um, I'll I'll get to that now, actually. So, yeah, it's and it's not. And so, if I'm looking at people who exercise, it's it's like okay, so what's the activity, and then like. Wh- how long do they have to do the activity for them for me to consider them an exerciser? Um, and that ended up being just what's what's the minimum recommendation from organizations like the American Heart Association? Or no, no, no. I went with the recommendation for minimum minimum physical activity mm-hmm. from the American College of Sports Medicine. Okay. So they have a standard of it comes out to like 150 minutes per per week. Okay. Which is not a whole lot. It's like 30, so, 30 minutes most days of the week. Right. Like 30 days, like five days a week or something? Yeah. 30 minutes, five days a week. Yeah. So that's real, like a real, real low bar. Mm-hmm. But I have to have something and I have to be able to justify it. So it's easy for me to do that. Sure. Um, so a lot of this is like just convenience. Like what can I actually manage to do with like zero budget? Yeah. Like because all I have is like time. Yeah. And even then, like time is f- fleeting. Right. It right. is it's a hot commodity nowadays. So so people who exercise, so people who use like fitness at campus recreation who who meet the minimum um who exercise at like a minimum amount of time. So so and then who also have like a good GPA which I define as like 2.5, which okay. is like, you know, hey, you're not failing, you're doing great. Right. That's like <laughs> middle of the bar, right? Yeah. I mean, I just because I don't want to like talk to people who exercise all the time, but they don't have any time for classwork. Yeah. So, w- who I'm trying to f- ask questions about are the people who some researchers call them positive deviants. So, um, who is doing the intended intervention? So, in this cl- case, who is meeting the minimum physical activity requirements? And um, how are they doing it? Why are they doing it? And so then the question, the real research question is, what can we learn about this small section of, like, 
um, exercisers yeah. um, that we might be able to apply to a more general student population. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, right. again, this is, this is all out of, like, convenience. So, like, how and why do these individuals work out or exercise up to maybe, you know, meet that minimum recommendation while also meeting their academic goals or academic success goals or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then from like a program evaluation perspective, like campus recreation, um, and this is like uh, a whole, like across the United States, like um, a large part of the mission of campus recreation at different universities is to enrich like the student experience and like build like healthy lifestyles and kind of introduce people to various forms of recreation or human movement and but that's not not to do that at the expense of their academic success as students Mm -hmm. i mean that's like a big part of campus recreation so so this it all kind of fits together really well yeah Uh, well uh, that's my bias opinion right so um you know so okay so we know your target population, um, you know, quote unquote, posit- positive deviance um, population that are working out, exercising regularly while also succeeding academically. Um, how for for your research, how are you going to um, target these individuals? Like, how are you going to go about trying to identify them um, and then what is your main method then for data collection? Okay, so I work for Campus Recreation as a personal trainer, so I am there all the time. Okay. So I can see, like, the people that are also there all the time. So you, okay, so you can basically easily identify people you see on a regular basis. Yeah, and throughout this time, so I try and cultivate um, just, like, relationships with other student fitness employees there. That, you know, like, their job is to, like, supervise and, you know, make sure that, like, nobody's doing risky things, um, like, like swinging around barbells, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're, just, we're all keeping it legit, okay? Risk, right. We're keeping the insurers happy. Yeah. Okay? Right. Um, like, I asked them, it's like, you know, well, like, who, who do you see here working out all the time? And then they kind of point some people out. Um, so the plan is t- to... I have to go by what I, I said, right? I can't yeah. just make stuff up here. Right. Um, well, um, so in my proposal, I wrote that the way that I will recruit is basically so asking these fitness um, employees for recommendations um, and then setting up, like, an informational table there at the entrance, um, posting flyers. Um, yeah. So, I'm, so be, because, like, research on human people is very – um, there are a lot of rules to follow. It's very protected. Oh, thank you. Um, it's very protected. So I, I have to, I have to make sure that what I propose to do is what I do. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's all for the sake of um, keeping integrity with the research, but also making sure that I, as a researcher, don't like exploit or take advantage of anybody, mm-hmm. or, or use whatever power I may have over them to. Um, make them participate in my research. Mm-hmm. Um, right. What? Yeah. Well, is that what you asked me? Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that was part of it. So, okay. So you're, that's how you're going to recruit. Oh, okay, so you yeah. start recruiting some people and then from that point, what is your method for then collecting your data? Okay. So, so I'm recruiting people and 
Uh, it's like a whole. Well, how many people do you need? What do you have like a target number you're looking at? Yeah, um, a lot. A lot. No, it's not really that many. Okay. Um, like fifteen to twenty. No, or? it's like okay. So, so one of the research methods I want to use are what's called free lists. Okay. Um, and so free lists, they're like I'll ask a question like, um, like when you he- like how d- how do you or list all the words that describe you as like a exerciser, and then so then you just try it, like the person answering that has to like try and write all of the things that come to mind. Um, and there are better w- ways to word that. I, I don't think I, I worded that. No, right I now. think I mean that's basically what a free list is. Yeah. Um, and then um, so so the minimum sample size I need for that is like twenty. Okay. Uh, so the way I plan on getting that is like with a screening questionnaire. Interesting. So okay. I so I I have people I have a bunch of people take this screening questionnaire and it has a lot of my inclusion exclusion criteria built in. So I want, for example, students who exercise at a minimum amount of time per week. Um, with a good GPA between the ages of like uh, I think I put like eighteen to twenty nine, mm-hmm. or yeah, so eighteen to twenty nine, um, who are undergraduate, and so all of this is captured in the questionnaire, and then they also kind of answer those questions like, um, what are all the reasons that you, or please like you know write describe all the reasons that you like to exercise or. What are some of the challenges, barriers that you frequently face to your goals of exercising? Okay. So stuff like that. Okay. Um, so from there, I just take whoever meets that inclusion criteria, and then I try and form two focus groups from those 20. And each of those groups is like four and four, so like maybe eight or ten people total. Mm-hmm. So, so, so for like the free list, my sample size is like 20 or more at least. Right. For my focus groups, it's um, two groups of four or five, so like eight or ten. And those are the same people from yeah. the free list, okay? Yeah, it's just like um, I don't know how that would describe, but like so you go from questionnaire, and then from the questionnaire, some people go to the focus group, okay? And then trying to limit the focus group, and really just like uh, focus group will use the free list questions as prompts, and we'll try and as a group have this discussion about. Identity as exerciser and motivations and barriers. Okay, and then from there, um, those same focus group people, I kind of I will do a, what's an individual semi-structured interview. Okay, where I have a few questions that are kind of like follow up from the focus group and the questionnaire, just really trying to explore more about what they believe their motivations and barriers are, and why they choose to exercise at campus recreation, and how they think that. That kind of um, process, I helps them identify as as like part of their identity. Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So, recruiting through, um, you know, you have other other colleagues and and um, at Campus Rec that can help point people out. Have an informational table at the front desk with some flyers and and things like that. So recruiting that way, and then once you start recruiting people, having the free list survey that helps to um, kind of weed people out, so eligibility criteria, and then from that point, taking the people that are eligible that did the free list survey and bringing them into a focus group. Yes. And then 
from that point doing individual semi-structured interviews with individuals. Yeah. Okay. And, and I don't really have like any practice doing any of this. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't know. I kind of think of the thesis as like an opportunity to like to practice stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I felt too. Cause they kind of just toss you in there. Oh yeah. There was like zero preparation. Yeah. And they're just like, good luck. <laughs> that's and that's a critique I have of the, yeah. the program here, but right, yeah, yeah, because I mean we learn about these, but reading about these methods in a book does not teach you how to do it in real life. Yeah, I agree. Right, so that's completely different. All right, so we're gonna take uh, one more short music break, and then we will be back uh, speaking with Renee about his research. Stay tuned. Hey, bulls, we're back uh, on WUSF eighty nine point seven HD three Tampa sixteen twenty AM on campus and streaming worldwide at TuneIn dot com and the TuneIn app. We are sitting here with Renee, our co host on Anthro Alert. We've been talking to him about his research and what he plans to do for his for his master's research and he's in that in the thick of that project right now um well start starting to starting to um do his do do his research so did the proposal and now thinking about recruitment and and methods and everything so we talked about recruitment and methods and so after that would then be analysis so how do you plan to analyze all of your data okay so um yeah wow what a question right um so as i mentioned i think the one of the things for a master's thesis is that it should be like a learning experience yeah um and and for me part of that is well okay well you collect all this data so what like how do you how do you make any conclusions for like how do you plan on doing the analysis Mm mm-hmm and so I'm going to do something that I have not yet done. So, so, so this is probably like a dumb thing for me to try to do, <laughs> especially when I'm like trying to get things done by a certain amount of time. Yeah. Right. Um, but I'm going to follow the instructions or, or like follow some methodology that I have read about where basically I will code. So I'll, so that I'll code all of this qualitative like – kind of data into theme into different themes okay also i'll try i'll try and identify some different themes and um i will try to do some quantitative analysis on that just to just to try and see okay so what are the themes like that um what becomes evidence like yeah because ultimately the goal is to draw some sort of conclusion that can be turned into a recommendation Okay. Um, for campus recreation. Right. And um, Hence that applied anthropology. Yeah. yeah. And it, it can't just be me thinking that, oh, okay, well, it's all about time management. So really, campus recreation, in order to reach more students and to be involved with um, inviting more students into the facility to exercise and introducing more people to exercise, it's not about – like what sort of fun exercise programs you have. It's about how can we help people with their time management skills where they feel that exploring physical activity and human movement in new ways is possible. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, yeah, that's a good perspective. Like, like, like it, that can't be my solution because that's what I think it is. Like I have yeah. to like draw some conclusion from the research. And so right. um, my plan is to use um, R, which is a type of statistical software, yeah. and like a special – 
packaged within R to do the analysis from the free lists. Um, yeah, to, to kind of just make these recommendations. I've heard R is tough. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm learning. I've ne- yeah, I've never used it before. So uh, hopefully I can figure it out. Oh, I'm sure you can. <laughs> I mean, we'll see, right? Yeah, yeah. You it just got to. It can't be that hard. You just got to get in there. Mm-hmm. Trial and error. According to my LinkedIn, I have an R. Um, I did like an R course that gave me a badge. Oh, nice. Well, then you're you're set. Yeah, I should be fine. Yeah. Do you anticipate any or what what challenges do you anticipate during the course of carrying out your your research? So probably the biggest challenge is going to be my ability to focus on what I'm doing. Mhm. How so? Um so throughout this entire process like it was really challenging for me to drill down to something specific enough that can be used for a master's thesis. Right, yeah. Um something to effectively communicate and illustrate everything I want to do in the proposal. Um, to, again, convert in that proposal, so everything that I wrote in my proposal, to something that I can use to apply for IRB approval, the Institution Review Board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then to follow up with any of those uh, suggested or or mandatory revisions that I need to make to that IRB ap- proposal application. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then the same thing, like, you know, can I, can I get enough people to take that screening questionnaire where I'll have enough to draw a focus group from? Um, can I write everything by my deadline? Yeah. I mean, so, so I see like a lot of the challenge from like the research method part of it is just whether or not I can focus enough on it without being distracted by other things I like to do. Right. Or other questions I like to ask. Um, and then, obviously, at some point, I think just the challenges of the research itself are, you know, how much can I really generalize this? Yeah. Like, can I like can I develop any further theory or any model out of any conclusions? And, and um, I don't know. That, that, to me, sounds like that might be challenging. But mm-hmm. so some of the stuff that I've read says that that stuff tends to kind of um, just reveal itself over time. Yeah. So I'm hopeful. That's what I'm hoping to do. I've always kind of thought, like, challenge for me, what I'm a little worried about is trying to, like, connect everything up with, like, the literature and stuff, you know, because you're, like, supposed to research. You're supposed to kind of contribute something new to what's already there. And so I've I've been thinking about kind of, you know, what do I have to offer that's that's new and, like, how am I going to connect what I'm collecting with, like, what's already there and, you know, all this all this kind of stuff and make it, like, co- coherent, right? Yeah, and I actually think that's kind of, like, um, like my perspective on that is, and I don't, like, have any say in this because I'm not the one that needs to approve what I'm doing. Yeah. But but I, I think that that perspective where you have to contribute to something or you have to add to something, that's just, to me, it's kind of um, elitist, like, yeah. like academic – um, elitism, where you, you kind of have to justify this somehow as part yeah. as like it's like this is how it fits here. Mm. Um, whereas I think I don't know. I kind of want to come at it more of like a critical perspective that um, it shouldn't have to be that way. But that, that's just that's not how the a- academic paradigm or the academic research paradigm is. Yeah, yeah, largely. Yeah, I would say that's not how it works, but. <laughs> 
But I mean, my, my dreams are crushed. But I mean, you're right. I mean, I guess there needs to be like some some pushback against that. But um, you were talking about uh, IRB, and you're you're doing that currently, or working on revisions. I think. Yeah. Um, can you talk about your experience with with IRB and uh, what that was like, and what the what the process is like, and okay. how you kind of went about navigating that? Yeah, so having been to three different IRB student researcher workshops, um, I was totally unprepared to actually write and submit my own IRB application. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I thought it would be like very easy to just like cut and paste from the proposal in. Right. No, no way. One, like the application is very long. Yeah, it is. It's quite lengthy. It's, it's like they, it's funny because they tell you like in what the trainings, it's like don't expect this to take you a Sunday afternoon. No, it didn't. It, yeah, it does not. Um, and it's funny because like, I was like very happy. I got the approval. Okay, do your IRB. So I start working on it, and I get to the first like question or like the first – well, the first question is like title your research. I don't have a title. <laughs> it's like now I have to like think about a title that will, will, will potentially work, and I just, I just made something up. Yeah, I mean I, I, you can – I'm pretty sure that's not like set in stone. And then, and then other things like, oh, what's your hypothesis? I'm like, oh, I actually don't have one. And so then I ended up just writing, um, my hypothesis is that there is no relationship between anything. <laughs> um, and I'm hopeful to disprove that somehow. That's a classic anthropological answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like what's the purpose of your research? And like please describe how you will consent people to participate. And just all these all these questions that I, I kind of like knew, uh, of course, because I went to these trainings and I've had these conversations, um, aware that these things get asked in that application, but yeah. but really was not prepared at all to actually answer them. Yeah. Um, so I so I think look in hindsight I probably should have done I I should have done a better job of including that in my proposal rather than I don't even know what I did in my proposal. I feel like some of those questions on the application are trick questions. Like they're trying to, well, like they're trying to make sure that I like I have a plan. Right. right? Yeah. 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 They so, don't want. Yeah. They just don't want you to. I want to do research now. <laughs> yeah. So, so whoever was unlucky enough to kind of read my application is like, oh, this <laughs> person has no idea what they want to do. <laughs> How did they make it this far? Yeah. yeah. Man, that that job's got to be tough though, being an IRB application reviewer. Yeah, because that's got to be tough. Because it's very strong. Because obviously, you want people to be able to do their research. Yeah. But but you you don't want to say yes to everything, at, at least right away. Right, yeah. Because you don't want something to slip through that could later come back and be like Tuskegee. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like the main point of IRB even being here. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you don't know what that is, I will let you look this up on your own. Yeah. Um. So Tuskegee, T-U-S-K-E-E-G-E-E. -E -E. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So do a search for that. Um, Along with various other research atrocities. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, is so, why the IRB is here. So it's it's there for a good reason. It's just uh, it can be challenging. Um, I, th I think more so with anthropology, because our research is not always IRB friendly. What do you mean by that? Like I think some you know some disciplines like the natural sciences or like the hard sciences. Like there's more of a straightforward blueprint of going through the IRB. Right. So, but like in anthropology, we like to, one, we like to work with a lot of populations that the IRB doesn't want you to work with. 
We like to use methods that the IRB doesn't feel comfortable with, <laughs> like photo voice and using film and things that don't. They, they make it harder to protect people. They make it harder to protect people, yes. And so and anthropology as a discipline has some critiques of the IRB, but I think other disciplines do as well. But it's there for a reason, but there's room for growth. And so I think anthropologists may have more difficulty getting our projects approved than other disciplines. But I wouldn't know because, I don't know, maybe sociology might have the same problems now too. I, I don't even know what sociology does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but um, but so like yeah, for, for example, just, like the ultimate like red flag, black flag for an IRB application from an like if you're an anthropologist is like oh I want to like do research on um, underage women in prisons who have HIV and are pregnant. Yeah, right. That's like they they probably have a heart attack. <laughs> like someone would probably just pass out if they but, saw that. And, yeah, like all the vulnerable populations. Yeah, in, exactly. Like wrapped up into one. Right, and so. You know, but the thing is, like, I don't think we can just exclude those populations from from research altogether because they still have voices, right, and still need to contribute to to research um, in, in general. But you know, I, you have to find ways to make both parties happy. So yeah, yeah. So those are those are tough questions. So. Your you filled out your application and now you got some some revisions back. Did you look at your revisions yet? No. So okay. So going back to like being able to like be focused on something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't focused on this yet. So uh, t- yeah. today, I tomorrow, the Pro- IRB application. Like, I don't I don't view myself as a procrastinator, but I did just did not want to do that application <laughs> or the revisions like. Well, well, I'm meeting with my major professor on Monday, so I better have it done by then. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like well, I had to. We had to set up regular meetings because otherwise, I just won't do stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, I I find that once you do once you do the application, the revisions really aren't that bad. Like once you have everything there, it's like the foundations. The re, the revisions really aren't that bad. So you'll uh, you'll be able to get it. All right. That's Sunday afternoon. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, of course, it has to be done. So yeah, of course, right, I'm, I'm, I'm committing to it live on on um, radio to like the three people listening. <laughs> All right, but um, winding down the show now for this week. Um, any final comments, questions, concerns? I have so many. <laughs> I have so many that they don't fit into. They don't fit into it, our our final yeah. closing. Um, I th- well, I think one of the other things that I probably didn't mention was, like, that with anthropological research, you have to situate yourself within, like, a theory. Oh, or right. Or like, some sort of, like, theoretical framework or something. Yeah, right. Um, and I'm kind of approaching that as, like, you know, feminist postmodern. Or, or, well, like, feminist, feminism and postmodern. Okay. Rather, rather than, yeah, they're, like, separate things. But, um, so... Like I, th- I think there's probably some gendered aspects to exercise and barriers and motivations. Okay. And so how, a lot, like oh, how so? Oh, so Break like a, a, bit. a lot of the literature that I'm reading right now is looking at, for example, like body image and cultural expectations of what it means to be, what it means to have like a man's body or a woman's body, and how. Oh, right. So that changes over time. Um, but it's like the same, and there's a lot of pressures, 
and you tie that into just um, different things you see. For example, like social media, like Instagram's like real, real easy to kind of look at because with with the with, with with the existence now of something like Instagram, where you can like post pictures of yourself regularly, you have a lot of fitness people or fitness-minded people who post pictures of themselves exercising or posing, and and so then this kind of um, re-emphasizes or repeats ideas of of expectations that we have as a society to be like um, to appear a certain way, and then. Like, how does that further shame people who don't fit that? You know, like, um, so I, I had somebody that kind of asked me. It's like they were just they were just talking and we're just having a conversation. Like, not not part of research because I have not allowed to collect any data yet. <laughs> but like, one of the things that the person told me was, you know, it's like it's so unfair that like to be like a uh, a woman in America, you just have to look a certain way to be considered pretty. And um, and yeah, that's like totally I get it. And yeah. so so. That's kind of where some of the feminist critique comes from. And then looking uh, for postmodern is like looking at stuff that happens in physical education, K-12 stuff. So um, why for for PE class do you have to like learn to play basketball? Like why do you have to learn to play tennis? Like why do you have to do these kind of like traditional gendered – or not even gendered I guess. But these different sports. Mm-hmm. Like do, do they actually prepare you for being able to – um, like move, like be like a human mover and ex- and have like physical activity in like structured or unstructured ways that right. that are appealing. And I I think it kind of it sets people up to possibly like if they're very interested in that, of course they're gonna love it. Yeah, because I'm I'm gonna guess, but I think you you probably enjoy PE. Uh, yeah, but I mean just because I enjoy being active. Yeah, so some people they, they totally drawn to that, and other people they. They don't for different reasons, and um, I think for the people that don't necessarily automatically have that interest in it, they kind of get pushed away from the idea of physical activity exercise because it can be quite, um, I mean, uncomfortable. And so and excluding. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Exactly. Yeah, yeah it becomes right. yes. That's like I have to write that down. <laughs> right, and then at that point, you kind of have negative associations with anything related to that. Yeah, I imagine. And then that amplifies itself over time. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with that. That's cool. So feminism and postmodernism. Yeah, postmodernism with the idea that, um, well, like my interpretation, that uh, it's all kind of random, made up, doesn't matter. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it constructs itself in these interesting ways. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good description of postmodernism, <laughs> as I understand it. Yeah, I mean. But, I mean, it's a really, like, complex the, like, well, I don't yeah. know. It's postmodernism a theory. It's more like a school of thought, isn't it? I don't see. I, see, I, I mean, it depends on who you ask, right? I don't know. <laughs> I know. Just do do some. Oh, I should tell myself I need to do more research on it. But yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the idea. Awesome, cool. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, exploring um, your research with us for the past hour and that's about all the time we have today on anthro alert and so we will be back next week uh talking to someone about something about something but you know but you know it's going to be anthropological yep and it's going to be awesome so make sure to tune in to that if you would like to 
Well, it's going to be a surprise who's on here. Yeah. So if you want to be surprised. 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and also at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Yes. We are 2 to 4. Yep. And if you just can't get enough of Antho Alert and you just can't wait until next Friday, why don't you just go ahead and you can go to anthoalert.com and all of our old episodes are on there or some of them are on there and um, it's being updated with with other episodes so you can check out one of those in the meantime until then have a nice weekend and we will see you next week bye congratulations on um on being springtime everybody yes you did great go be springtime